Welcome to the garage, everybody. I'm Luke. And today we have a very special guest. Uh, we got to spend the whole summer with him during the training ground program, the summer session. And I still currently live in his house. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this is our friend. His name is Lee Mays. How you doing? How you doing? Mm, good. <laughs> so Lee, uh, just a little background and kind of what he's been doing um, for the 50 years of his life. Am I right? Yeah, 50. I can't believe that. This year, yeah. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Lee is our, our resident guide. Um, everybody that comes into the, the summer program lives at his house. Um, that's how it's been for a little bit. And um, you uh, you graduated from Olivet. Nazarene University. Start out at Olivet and then yeah. transferred to Southern Nazarene. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yep, and finished up there. Yeah. For all my yeah. Nazarenes out there. You've been yeah. doing 25 years of ministry experience now? Yeah. 25 years of different nonprofits. A lot of Christian camping uh, background. Ran, ran a conference center, uh, but really believe in the power of hospitality, which is how I came to host the guys at Training Ground. Yeah. That's awesome. Lee is also... Um, the director of operations for training ground. So without Lee, we wouldn't, we wouldn't run, we wouldn't operate. So, mm-hmm. um, Lee also, uh, kind of in conjunction with what we're going to talk about today, um, graduated from the Allender center. Um, for those of you who don't know that is Lee, you want to share really quick on what the Allender center is? Yeah, they have, they offer a lay counseling certification program, uh, with 200 hours of trauma, uh, education. And, and you actually go there four weekends out of the year and, uh, there's didactic teaching, but then you also work half the time you're there with groups, with people in trauma and helping them know their story and work, work through their trauma. Right. And so is each like participant that goes, do they explore their trauma too? Yeah, that's part of the thing is, uh, the different weekends have different themes and like one weekend would be family of origin, which we're going to talk about a little bit today. It's just, it's like, understanding like how you got to where you are and understanding your family and what your family brings to you and to your story. And then a part of that is that you have to bring your own story about your family of origin. Yeah. Um, and then you're the client at some point and mm-hmm. then the group gets to work with you and then it switches roles and then you get to work with other people. Right. So yeah. Lee, how, how, just before we get into the, the meat of the conversation, love to, for listeners to hear kind of how you got involved with training ground and, and why, why, why you love it so much. Yeah, I think um, I've had some, I mean, if you've been in, in your faith for long enough, you're going to have experiences where religion doesn't m- match up to what it's supposed to. Right. And I, after 25 years of ministry, I was really longing uh, for something that I felt was worthy of the investment of my life. Um, and what I mean by that is that I had done a lot of work, built a lot of buildings, paid a lot of debt, you know, um, and, and felt like in some ways, the more I was in ministry, the farther away I got from working with people, mm-hmm. like the more I was advanced, you know, when I started working at the national level, I really missed working with people. And when I was brought out to Colorado Springs to work for a national organization, uh, found out about training ground and really fell in love with what training ground does because it feels like the gospel to me. Yeah, it feels like life on life and community and and the the things I've seen happen with training ground really excite me, and really make me feel like this is worthwhile of of a life. Yeah. 
yeah. worth investing in. So. Actual discipleship. Yeah. And mentorship. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Um, just to get like kind of a like little glimpse in like more into you, I guess. Uh, what were you doing when you were like my age or Nick's age? Man, I was uh, putting myself through college. Um, I graduated when I was 22 uh, and started doing youth ministry right after that. And then had all the entry-level jobs selling carpet and floor coverings. And I know more about how to measure carpet and wood floors than I care to know. you know. But um, I did all those entry-level jobs that eventually got me a job working in a ministry and running a challenge course where I was working with people in groups and working through the, the problems and stuff that was in front of us. So, challenge course, mm-hmm. uh, like, like a high ropes course? Yeah, high ropes, low ropes. Awesome. Yeah, we would do, I think we did 220 kids at a time for eight hours. And oh, my gosh. Just had all these things going on at the same time yeah. and did high ropes and low That's ropes. Awesome. And, yeah. Wow. Lee, I, I, got a, I got a big question. We're going to start off just getting, getting right into it. Mm-hmm. And – I want to know what you would say to your 20-year-old self. Yeah, I love that question. And you know you know me well enough to know that I ask a lot of our guides that during the summer. Um, and <laughs> is really, this, this whole conversation is around this question. Because if I could have told my 20-year-old self anything, I would have told him, give yourself a freaking break. Mm-hmm. You know, right. there's a lot about your story that you don't understand, that you will understand. And I would, I would have asked my younger self to trust me and say, in the next 10, 15, 20 years, you're going to learn a lot. And, and because of what you've learned, you're going to wish that you had gone easier on yourself. Right. And not mm-hmm. held yourself in such contempt and hate and, and ill will. Yeah. Give yourself a break. That's again. Yeah. I, I mean, I should probably write that on my, write that yeah. on my arm or yeah. get that tattooed somewhere. But that, yeah, I mean, I mean, no, I know with myself, I want to hold everything together. I want to. I want to hold all my like all my friends together, and and I'm like holding like so tight, and it's really stressful. Um, and I feel like that's a lot of um, like guys in their twenties. I feel like that's a kind of a a big thing for them because um, they're just getting out on their feet, or they've just graduated college, um, and they want it all together. They want to have everything together. Um, and there's there's a lot of pressure and there's a lot of stress on that. And to and to your credit and to guys your age, um, you only know what you know. Yeah. You don't know what you don't know, and you can't know what you don't know, which is why you guys come to training ground and explore story and narrative theory and all that stuff, which right. is what we do a lot during yep. the summer. Um, because sure. there's, there's so much there. There's so much gold to be mined out of your story that will bring freedom, which will bring healing, which will show you who you are and who you aren't. And uh, that's exciting stuff. Yeah, for sure. So today's episode is actually titled Where Trauma Lies. And basically we're going to talk about, well, you know what, Lee, why don't you tell them what we're going to talk about? <laughs> well, something very near and dear to your heart. Yeah, for sure. I, it's basically that there are things set against all of us from the very beginning and even before our first breath. There are, there are things that are set against us. And if we don't take the time to recognize what those things are, um, then we will live out of the lie or the trauma that was created by those things. Yeah. And if those things are never challenged, that you will literally spend your whole life spinning out trying to rectify these things. 
Um, and, and, and you'll be on your deathbed, not having ever known the grace and freedom and truth that I think Christ has available for us. Wow. Well, we're, we, we throw around words a lot, uh, in the training ground community and not just training ground community, but maybe in the Christian community. Right. Um, we talk about lies and trauma, which is what we're discussing today. So let, let's, let's kind of define the context in which, uh, we want to talk about lies and trauma per se. So, um, I mean, there are probably traditional understanding of, of what lies are. It's it's an untruth. Mm-hmm. It's you know it's something that is that you tell yourself or someone tells about you, um, but it's something um, that often doesn't go unchallenged, especially with guys your age uh, or or kids that are younger. And a lot of times that lie can be caused by trauma, uh-huh. or that lie can cause trauma right. in, in your life. So when we say lies right now, we're not just talking about, oh, I lied about stealing a cookie out of the cookie jar, Mom. We're talking about lies, things that have been said against us or said against us in our life that are not true about us. Like yep. lies about uh, like identity, um, who, who you're going to amount to be, um, things like that, right? Yeah, exactly. Things that if you believe them, they would restrict your life. Or if you believe them, that it would lead you to lead a life that's not uh, true to who you are or who you could be. Uh, all kinds of stuff like that, yeah. And so trauma, we're talking about not, you know, I broke my arm and I'm getting, you know, a cast. We're talking about something different there. Yeah. Um, trauma could be something like a car accident. It can also be, you know, that. Uh, you went to hug your mother when you were young and she backhanded you and you landed on the floor. Right. Mm. You know, there's a broad spectrum of that stuff. A lot of trauma for people lies in in their sexual experiences. Uh, uh, There's so much, uh, so much uh, data out there about uh, sexual abuse and and trauma and how that impacts people. I mean, it's just, there's just this huge impact that a lie and let traumas can have on your life Mm. for sure. Yeah. Um. Let me just say, I think the the reason this is important, um, I'll, I'll just tell you a story. I, I was speaking at a conference in Michigan, and I had given it. I had led a seminar on the effects of childhood sexual abuse abuse in, ch- in children and adults. And every time I've taught that seminar, people would come up to me afterwards and want to talk to me. Uh, this one seminar I was at, this guy came up and said that he was wondering if I could come talk to a friend of his who was suicidal. Mm. I'm like, well, sure, you know, of course. And, you know, believe that that was a divine appointment and um, always want to partner with God in those moments. And uh, went to meet this guy uh, with his buddy. We all sat together and talked. And I was, uh, found out he was a father of four boys, you know, in his mid-20s and he was suicidal. Mm. You know, like, there's just so much wrapped up in that moment of like these four boys could lose their father, mm-hmm. if, right. you know, and what, what is happening? Is this my whole read on the guy was, he's a great guy and all this stuff was, well, as, as we were able to sit there over the next 90 minutes, found out that, um, uh, when he was young, that he had been sexually molested by his grandfather. Right. Well, how does that lead to being su- suicidal in your mid twenties? Uh, because of that abuse and because he was a child that didn't have the understanding or the vocabulary or the mind to even define or understand what was happening, because of that, as a young boy, 
he accepted a lie that, that one, he was complicit with the sexual act with his grandfather, mm. but that because of those activities that he was a pervert. And out of his understanding of being a sexual deviant from a young age uh, came out of that um, a history of looking at pornography. Mm. And once he, uh, once he um, accepted the lie that he was a pervert, then he lived like a pervert and did things that perverts would do in the sense of, as he understood it, which was looking at porn and masturbation, and 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 this had gone unchallenged and undealt with his his entire life to the point where he's married with kids and has all this trauma and all this lie that he's lived out of, and and because of all of that, he has lost faith, and once you lose your faith, you you know you lose your hope, yeah. and once you lose your hope, you lose your joy, mm-hmm. and if you have no joy, then why why go on? Yeah, right. So, I mean, that's just one scenario of like... So, the trauma was the experience mm-hmm. uh, being molested. That, right. that, that was the traumatic thing that happened. Out of that was birthed this lie about who he was that wasn't true, which then in turn has a domino effect and has affected his entire life. Exactly. The, the very clever thing that Satan does is that he plants this seed, this sin lie in your life and life by its experiences you left on your own will fertilize that and other life experience will fertilize that and out of it grows this huge tree yeah. that now consumes your vision and you can't see anything but this tree and it's overwhelming. Yeah. Well, my question is, so there's the tree that's grown, right? Mm-hmm. Well, then that tree drops its fruit. And what I mean by that is his sons. So what, what, is that, what is that in this specific case? What does that trauma look like continuing in that family line? The potential or trauma. The potential trauma is he could commit suicide. Right. And then these four boys are lost. Left. Their father at a young age. Exactly. Yeah. It starts a whole another. And then the lie that can come from that, not only with the the spiritual side of this lie not being challenged or dealt with, getting passed on to the boys, but now a new lie on top of that, mm-hmm. mixed into that whatever, oh, is my dad introduced. killed himself because it's my fault or whatever. It's my fault my dad killed killed himself. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not worth sticking around, yeah, even I'm, to the I'm point worth, of yep. death, you know? Yeah. like You can just see how this explodes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just explodes, and it's there's... There's dead bodies everywhere. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's literally like an explosion in a family story, you know. So that's the importance of, of knowing your own story and getting to the root of that thing. And I think that's what God does, and I think that's what we're what we're talking about doing, as as we look at our stories to get back to the original lie. Right. Because if if by the Spirit of God we can understand and and dig that out, then the whole tree dies. Right. Where a lot of times we spend a lot of time talking about the fruit of the tree or the yeah. leaves of the trees or the branches. I, I think the very cool thing that God does and can do, as, especially as we do this in community, is that we can get to the heart of that lie. Mm-hmm. And we can uproot it and the whole thing goes away. Right. right. Which we is have so, that power. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's so exciting to be Which a part is, of. It's, it's, you know, not to my own horn, not, none of that. But it's what, it's what we've done through training around the That's summer. That's what we did in training around, yeah. What we started. Yeah. Right. The process we began. Right. Yeah. And it, it took us as 20-something-year-old men who both have our own stories mm-hmm. to have you, Lee, and Corey, and Ryan, and countless other guides to kind of walk alongside and say, hey, look, we've done this work. Let us show you how it's done. Mm-hmm. And that was what it took. Yeah. Was us pressing in. Yeah. And right. you guys led the way in that because I remember something that you said and that you say often is – 
when it comes to healing, you can only take somebody as far as you've gone yourself. Exactly. And you guys um, were mentors and disciple, dis- disciples. You, were, you guys were mentors in that way where you went forward and did your work right? and then brought us I, th- I, I think the greatest gift you can give to the people that you love and you care about is that you do your own work. Oh, yeah. Because, like, there's people out there listening right now that might have available to them people in their church, leaders or whatever, uh, that are good people and well-intentioned, but they haven't done their own work. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to take them to a certain extent and, and no further. Yeah. So, like, if, if, if someone is listening and, and, like, they have trauma... You have to find people that have had trauma, that have dealt so with their walk trauma. Alongside you, right? Yeah, exactly. Because this is a journey that you're not supposed to take alone. Mm-mm. God designed us. John Lynch says that God de- defined us with needs so that uh, the, the other believers could remind us who we really are. Mm. You know, so like there's this whole story that we that we have to work out and understand, but we can't do it alone. And we need other believers and people who have done their work. So they can remind us who we are and who we're not. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's, there's some safety in that. Yeah. I had, I had an experience with, um, with God this summer. Um, I had, I was, I was waking up at like four thirty, five o'clock every morning and I had so much motivation to do so. And I was sitting down with God and he said, Luke, we're not doing this right now. He said, you need to be with those guys because what you're trying to do is get an upper hand over them and figure out all your stuff here with me so then you can not like be with them and and uh yeah i mean to see to see god's heart in that towards me of like hey like yeah this is difficult but this is not meant to be you're not meant to do this alone there's some part of the healing process where you need to look into the eye of another person and 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 see that they are not condemning you yeah. You know, like look into my eyes. I love you. Mm. This is not a big deal. Um, it's hard. It's traumatic. We're going to work through it. Right. You know, um, because people can say a lot of things, but if you can't see their eyes, mm-hmm. you know, um, you're not going to believe it. It's not going to. Uh, Andy Stanley, I think, was the one who said that change happens in circles, not in rows. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean you could take that where you want to, but there's something about sitting in a circle with other guys working with Jake Mickey mm-hmm. during the process time that you can see the other people's eyes and they're not condemning you, but that there's compassion and they're, you know, they're, they're, they're in it with you. Yeah. That's really good. The interesting, well, hold on. So something that I want to talk about Lee is these guys listening. There might be the guys listening right now sitting there saying, well, I've never been sexually molested. I've never been, never had my dad kill himself. So I'm fine. Mm-hmm. But, I would ask, what are some other common lies that you've seen in your in your experience that aren't as on that extreme end? Well, Luke and I talked about this the other day. Is that the, another very clever thing that the enemy does sometimes is as a lot of little things. It may not be like a car accident or a sexual abuse, or whatever, but it may be, you know. 30 times throughout your childhood, a girl has looked at you a certain way with disgust. Mm -hmm. Or there was a babysitter that did something and it had this impact on you that the the multiple experiences with that glance or look or whatever created a belief that there must be something unattractive about you, Mm -hmm. you know? And so the very clever thing that the enemy does is pile this stuff little by little by little, which ends up being a very big thing. 
And if that, you if it goes unaccessed. Yeah, exactly. If it goes unchallenged and unaccessed, and 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 that's because you could like I remember there was a time I was in counseling and I was talking uh, to my counselor and I was like, well, this is nothing compared to kids that are starving in Africa. You compare, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And he's like. And he said very something very smart to me. He said, "Why don't we let their story be their story, mm. and let's work through your story?" Because what you do is when when you when you say someone else's story is whatever, you do a really disservice to yourself, mm-hmm. to your heart. Yep, and the, and you and that helps you from ever having to take a look at your own stuff by saying it wasn't that bad. Yeah. Well, the reality is it was bad enough. That's so common. I think. I think so many guys, which in a way is another lie, but so many guys maybe think. One, I can't afford to show this emotion, mm-hmm. so I'm just going to shove this away. Mm-hmm. Right. Or you just refuse to access it. Sort of, in my experience, and, and what I've learned about myself through doing this look into the lies and trauma of my life, is that coming to training ground, people would have said about me, or I would have said about myself, that I was a completely most confident guy to ever meet. I was scared of nothing, and you know didn't have any emotion. The truth about myself that I found out through reflection and time spent and, and conversations with mentors was that I was deathly afraid. I had I had subconsciously believed a lie that I was not enough. And so what I did was I overcompensated that by making sure that I was at the forefront of everything. But the truth was that I was terrified, terrified, and had believed a lie that I wasn't enough. But I didn't even realize it. I had mm-hmm. no idea. I, I mean, I can point to person after person that it is it's so true what you just said. Like there was a guy in college who was the most outgoing leader, of everything, and then uh, found out that during the summer he tried to commit suicide. Hmm. You know, like sometimes you look at the prettiest girls and you're like, why are they trying so hard? Right. Well, what do they believe that they're not pretty? Where did that belief come from? Or if you if like you'll find someone who's trying to sound overly intelligent. Like, why are they trying to sound overly intelligent? Right. Because there's a lie that they're not smart. So you overcompensate. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And those are always, you know, I've, I've, I've been around you know, people in their stories long enough that those are kind of indicators that there's something there. Mm-hmm. Like, if they're trying so hard to be accepted, to be wanted, to be affirmed, then you're like, okay, that's that's a dashboard warning light on your car, let's say. Right, like yeah. that red light, that's a red light that's flashing that says, hey, there's something else there. Yep. There's something wrong in the engine. So if someone is trying too hard to be accepted, to be loved, to be, you know, get approval, whatever, that that's the warning light that says, that points to something else. Yeah. Let's go back to traumas and, and lies and kind of the, the origin of the lie itself, where it comes in. Um, that's great. I mean, I mean, yeah. that's a family of origin would be the, the clinical term. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what do you know about your family of origin? Because so many of our stories start with those that have gone before us. You know, like what happened in, in their life that created trauma or created a lie. There's scientific proof now even that trauma impacts your DNA. Hmm. So like if you're afraid of swimming. Yeah. Let's say there's a generation of two before that. There's someone that almost drowned on the Titanic. Let, that's, I mean, it's extreme, yeah. but yeah. like, but that person that had that Titanic experience that impacted their DNA, and that sends a message down through your DNA, which creates wow. a healthy fear of water in you. Um, it's it's an, it's amazing that trauma, yeah. you know, impacts you that way. But it, it does. That's interesting. So that's one aspect of it. But then, um, uh, whatever 
our parents or grandparents don't deal with in, in the family, they pass down to you, which I think as, as an adult male and, and even as I you know, work with guys like yourself to say, you have got to do your work. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't do your work, then your children will have to do your work. Right. Yeah. You know, and so. Um, so and how what, many men don't ever do that? Exactly. Yeah. And, and pass on to their sons and daughters that they love um this these very big things they, don't, they, they, they probably don't they don't even realize it themselves exactly it's, it's still that subconscious subliminal thing right exactly so you know how so understand your own lie and trauma and where where you came from you have to understand what happened to your parents or to your grandparents and uh how that impacted you because whatever they don't deal with uh, you have to deal with. Right. And a lot of times in a family, the, the child that's considered the black sheep is the one who embodies all of those issues um, and, and forces people to recognize uh, their own trauma, which is why a lot of times black sheep are out, outed as being the bad person or whatever. Yeah. Uh, it's because they force the family to look at the things that they don't want to look at. Wow. Powerful stuff. Yeah. And so with a traumatic event, um, are you like, are you forced to believing a lie? Like, is there any way to not get influenced by that lie or? I think it's very difficult. Uh, it's so subconscious sometimes. It's like, well, it's, and, and you're young, yeah. mm-hmm. you're young, you know, for, for a lot of the guys that come to their program, uh, there, a lot of trauma starts with their first sexual experience. You know, let's say something happens when you're four years old. You you do not have the words to even, yeah. like, you can... You can't comprehend that. No. Mm-hmm. But, well, but your but your mind subliminally does in its own way. It, it tries. And, and then it's all warped. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what's so hard is that, you know, like, if something like that happens, and we've talked about this a little bit already, is that if it happens to you when you're four years old, and it's warped, and you have this memory, and it's... and there's no one to guide you through that. Yeah, then that thing just takes on a life of its own. Yeah, well, and at four years old and and younger and ages around there, we have this this concept and pretty much rule of life. Um, and hold on, what is it called? Um, the it's called the the rule of first mention. Mm-hmm. And so if if somebody doesn't tell you, and with identity, I mean, like this is like years and years and years of mentors and your parents and and your community building up who you are. But with a traumatic event happening as a little boy or a little girl, that identity piece has not been developed. And now boom, trauma, the liar and the deceiver comes in and tells you who you are. And then the whole thing with the rule of first mention is that that first, uh, definition of who you are or of why this happened to you is now law to your subconscious and to your 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 mind Mm -hmm. and so to rewrite that or to think opposite of that it it goes against you yeah and nature yeah yeah i have i mean one of my first memories was walking into my mother performing a sexual act Mm. and i was stunned i was just like frozen and she called me a dirty little shit. Hmm. How old were you? I was six, six-ish. Oh, wow. No, I, and and that, that had to be challenged at some yeah. point. 
you know, but that was what my mother labeled me at that point. Mm -hmm. That wasn't fair to me. Yeah. It wasn't about me. Yeah. It was all about, you know, it was in the moment of her and, you know, um, but that had to be challenged in my life. I think it's so scary right now. And, you know, even, I guess I'm 23 now, so even 15 years ago, I guess less, even more, when computers weren't even all as what they are now, you know, I remember my first experience with sexual experiences, you know, I was a young eight year old kid Mm -hmm. trying to get on the internet and look for, I think I wanted to, I wanted a pocket knife really bad. Yeah. And so the place I thought you bought pocket knives was Dick's Sporting Goods. Mm -hmm. So I'm on, you know, the internet and I'm like, Mm www.dicks.com. And it's not Dick's Sporting Goods. (laughs) Right. And I'm at a very young age and it didn't like, I'm like, what, what the hell even is this? Mm -hmm. And, it didn't phase me at the moment, I didn't think. But looking back now and looking at, at some of the things I've had in my life with, you know, losing a virginity at a young age and you know, struggling with a porn addiction and other sexual deviancies, I'm like, wow, that that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It makes sense why I've struggled with these things up right. to this point. Right. And you were so ill-equipped at that point. Yeah. So, But like, in the moment, it wasn't like, oh, what is this? I'm just going to get off of it. Right. And I was like, okay, I'm like nothing. Right. But that seed gets planted. Right. Right. And, and, that, and nowadays they have, you know, it, kids have, we had, we had a computer in the family room. Right. That was yeah. it. Right. Yeah. Now right. you have a super supercomputer in, in their, your front right hand. pocket. Yeah. yeah. I heard James Dobson say this probably 25 years ago. He said that a kid today can get in more trouble walking home from school than he could at three o'clock in the morning while, when he was in college. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. I've seen that in my experience with leading, leading young life and wildlife. Right. You know, kids are have this notion to experience so much at such a young age, and it's got a root somewhere. And I think it. Well, I don't think I know that it, it lies in these trauma and lies that we've dealt with in our lives. And, and there's a design that God has that there's an appropriate time for you to, to begin to have the idea of sexuality and what sex is. There's a time and there's a plan for that. When you're older and you have the resources and there's supposed to be loving, godly people that can show you what healthy sexuality looks like. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, But if that happens without that and before you're ready, man, that has a, that has a traumatic impact on you. Mm-hmm. Because you're just not ready. Yeah. And you can't do it in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. And especially if it's something that's held in secrecy uh, and, and nobody else knows about it. Uh, yeah. 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 And if that was you or if that is you, I mean, that the first and hardest part, I think, is to find someone like Lee, find someone like Corey or whoever that you can get it out of the secret in. Because the longer it sits in secret, the mm-hmm. more it's going to fester. and Bring that thing to light. You, Bring as hard as light. that sounds, it's it's the first step. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I mean, this is holy ground. Yeah, this is holy ground, and it needs to be handled with such care, and uh, with such. I mean, it has to be. Man, it, I, <laughs> I'm just kind of overwhelmed now thinking about the people and their stories that might be listening right now, and the secrets that they have, mm-hmm. you know, and how holy they are. And how much God wants to redeem those things. And how there's such a dangerous place because if you don't find the right person, you can actually increase the trauma yep. and in- increase the pain and make things worse. The worst that could happen, yeah. Yeah. I'm not even going yeah. to go there. 
yeah it's just i mean it's yeah i mean um there's a, there's a stage of healing that you know your story well enough to know that you don't feel shame and guilt about it anymore but you have understanding mm-hmm. and there's grace you know and and that takes a while to get to that point but it, it only happens with people that have done their work that are safe people that understand the gospel and can walk you walk you through that right. because, because what we're really asking you to do when you look <laughs> at this trauma is that we're asking you to walk into the gates of hell yeah we're asking you to walk back through your own personal hell but like a, like a friend told me what do you do when you, you're walking through hell you keep going you, you keep going you don't stop <laughs> exactly you, you keep down. going and you need other people to help carry you at some t- points to, to get through that stuff but you will get through it um yeah i when I first came to Colorado, you know, I was kind of the poster child for evangelicalism, you know, and uh, a pastor uh, asked me about my story and I told him about uh, the abuse and stuff. And he, he's like, what are you doing with that? And I was like, well, what I was taught, you know, read more, pray more, serve more, memorize more, fast more, just keep going. Throw yourself mm-hmm. into it. Just keep going, yeah. you know. And he's like, you can't live that way. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like... He's like, that's telling someone, uh, like telling somebody with cancer, just ignore the cancer. Yeah. You can't do that. He said, if, if you have cancer, sometimes you need chemotherapy, sometimes you need surgery, and, and most of the times you'll actually get sicker before you get healthier. Uh-huh. But you will never get healthier until you get sicker. Right. So like, we will never get healthier with our trauma and with our stories until we dig into them um, and, and have radiation and, and do mm-hmm. that work. And it's going to be hard, and you'll feel worse before you feel better. But if you do that work, you will feel better. It, there, there is healing. There is hope. And you can have joy despite anything that, that's come your way. That's perfect. And it, and it really leads me into saying that, you know, in this episode, for those listening, that we really got down on the nitty-gritty of trauma and lies. And, and we want to invite Lee back and, and kind of do a part two and say, okay, we understand what this is now. What do we do with it? What what what's what's the plan of action from here? Right, and so that that's going to be a part two we're doing with Lee. But Lee, just want to open it up and and ask if there's any anything closing thoughts that you'd want to say or anything that is on your heart. Man, uh, if you're listening to us and you have trauma and you have things that you've never talked to, there is hope. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to carry this by yourself. There is hope, and it's not easy. Um, but there is hope. There is a way out. And, and speaking of a guy who uh, ha, ha, I've done a lot of work and there's still more work to do, I still see, see things every day that I need to deal with. And unfortunately, I'm in a place in this community, um, I have friends that see it in me, can call it out and care for me and love me, uh, and, and there's continual healing. And I would just, if I can offer that to the, to our listeners, that if you've got the if you if there are things that you've gone unchallenged in your life, uh, uh, especially if the if the enemy of your heart and soul has you beaten down and you have lost hope and you've lost faith, there is a way, there is a path, right? And and God offers that to us. Yeah, that's, that's really great. good. Well, you guys, that was part one of uh, where the trauma lies. Um, yeah. This is TG Garage Talks. Um, hey, as you guys have been hearing, we are um, on iTunes now. So please go and check us out there. Give us a rate, a review, and subscribe and share. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you like if you like what you're hearing, we need to get the word out. Also, uh, Luke and I want to hear from you. We want to start doing uh, a little bit, um, a, little, a, little, a little question and answer section on, on, a on the show. Q&A. 
So if you guys have questions about really anything, feel free to email me at nick nick at trainingground.com or mm-hmm. luke at trainingground.com. Right. DM us um, on Instagram at TG Garage Talks. Make sure you're following us. Uh, we would love to have your questions, and we'd love to to do a little section um, answering y'all's questions. And we also want to hear topics you want to hear about. Um, but yeah, this was uh, TG Garage Talks. I'm Nick, and I'm Luke. I'm Lee. <laughs> <laughs> and we thank you guys for listening. Thanks.